This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. With school season approaching amid the COVID-19 situation, school administrators are struggling with decisions regarding the nation's children and their education. An expert says there are downsides to remote learning. Children really have suffered a lot being out of school in the way of educational opportunities. There have been great increases in behavioral health concerns like anxiety, etc. So really a lot of downsides to them not being in school. Then... You may have noticed fewer choices on store shelves, but will the missing items return when the pandemic is history? I think we're going to see a more long-term reduction in the amount of items carried in the average store. And I think the reason we're really going to see that is it creates a lot of efficiency in the supply chain. Those two interviews and more are ahead on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. At this point in the summer, parents and children would normally be looking ahead to the start of school season. But this year, due to COVID-19, plans are uncertain. With more, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Dr. Sean O'Leary is a pediatric infectious disease specialist at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. He helped write guidelines of the American Academy of Pediatrics for school reopenings this fall. He's a father of two children, ages 12 and 16, and he's a survivor of COVID-19 who is still experiencing some symptoms after he and his wife contracted the coronavirus in March. So, Dr. O'Leary, tell us the highlights of what the American Academy of Pediatrics now recommends for school reopenings. Well, you know, I want to clear up a little point of confusion. I think, you know, there's been some publication about these guidelines that are kind of only looking at the headlines that AAP says we have to reopen schools. And, you know, I think that misses a lot of the point. I think we do feel very strongly about the importance of in-person learning for children. And so I think that's a big theme throughout the guidance. But we also want to make sure that we do that safely. And that includes safety for children, but also, importantly, safety for the adults working in schools as well. So the guidance really is framed around you know, what we say is the goal of policy planning for school reentry should really be with an emphasis on in-person learning. And we do go into the, in the guidance into some of the reasoning behind that. So, you know, why are we thinking that that's so important? Well, it's children really have suffered a lot being out of school. They've really missed a lot in the way of educational opportunities. There have been great increases in behavioral health concerns like anxiety, etc., A lot of children actually get a good percentage of their nutrition at school. So really a lot of downsides to them not being in school. So really the guidance is around how do we do that safely. And so we cover a number of things, really important things like physical distancing, potentially mask wearing for some students, and certainly for the adults in the school when they're going to be within six feet of other people. So those are some of the examples of the details we go into in a guidance. But really it's about promoting the overall health of children and the community considering the pros and cons of remote learning, at-home learning versus being physically present in school. The understanding of how easily children can contract COVID-19 or pass it to others has changed dramatically since the start of the pandemic. Can you explain what we know now? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So early in the pandemic, I think we were operating under the assumption that COVID-19 spread like influenza. So influenza is something that we know children play a major role in spreading both within schools and within the larger community. What we've learned since then is that that does not appear to be the case with SARS-CoV-2. It's not that children can't get sick. Some of the children have gotten very sick, of course, but most children actually do very well, but they're less likely to get infected than adults are, particularly younger kids. And then once they are infected, it also appears that they're quite a bit less likely to spread it to others. It's not entirely clear why that is, but we think it's probably because they have less symptoms. So for example, they're not coughing as much. They don't have as much nasal congestion, uh, as much sneezing as symptomatic adults do. So those are some of the broad strokes on the new information that we've gathered over the last several months. Another piece of that I'll mention is that we have seen in a lot of countries that they have been able to successfully reopen schools. Now, there have been a few other countries where there have been outbreaks within schools, but the majority have been able to do it relatively successfully. Let's talk about protecting teachers. Two-thirds of them are under the age of 50, but many seem to be fearful about returning. And obviously, there has to be some concern that they are more susceptible to the virus than kids. Absolutely. I think that's of paramount concern. We do go into that in some detail in the guidance in terms of things like making sure teachers are wearing masks, making sure that teachers aren't congregating. We do know that at least at this point, it appears that adults are much more likely to spread it to other adults as opposed to adults spreading it to children or children spreading it to adults. And so, you know, there really needs to be an emphasis on keeping adults physically distant when possible and mask wearing when there's a chance they could be around other people. Now, I also should point out that a lot of districts are considering it for some of the adults that are older. Well, really for anyone who chooses to, having them do some kind of an opt out. So whether that's doing all of their teaching remotely or something like that, particularly if someone has a high risk condition. And I think those are considerations that are going to be made at the district and even the school level in terms of how to handle that. But that's of paramount importance. We're talking with Sean O'Leary, MD, from the University of Colorado, who helped write guidelines for the American Academy of Pediatrics for school reopenings this fall. Dr. O'Leary, a lot of schools seem to be leaning towards what's been called hybrid learning, which mixes in-school learning with remote learning. And the idea is that they can have smaller class sizes that way to allow for six feet of physical distance. I believe your new guidelines recommend three feet. Tell us about that aspect of your guidelines. Yeah, CDC's guidance around schools says keep students separated by six feet if feasible. In a lot of schools, that's not feasible. So you think about the pros and cons of, well, if I can't keep six feet, what does that mean? Well, that means some kids are going to be at home. Having kids home half the time or some portion of the time is really problematic because, one, if there's not a really good online learning system in place, and that's a big if, they're going to be losing a lot of educational opportunities. And then all of the other things I mentioned about the need for nutrition, etc. Physical activity is one thing I didn't mention, but kids tend to be more active in school than when they're at home. And we have seen some increases in obesity, even from the short time that kids were off. So those are some of the downsides. 
In terms of the three feet versus six feet thing, the World Health Organization actually recommends one meter, you know, which is roughly three feet between students and schools. And there are some studies that have shown that actually three feet is pretty good. Six feet is probably a little bit better, but it may not be enough better to justify having kids at home versus having them in school, if that makes sense. So, for example, if you can't be six feet apart, maybe you can be four feet apart. And if it's a high school, maybe those kids wear masks when they're four feet apart. You know, that's a way that you could use two strategies to decrease the risk as opposed to the single strategy of just having all kids six feet apart, which is very, very difficult in most school environments. School administrators are clearly in a tough position in trying to find a balance somehow between genuine health concerns, widespread fear, and the necessity of actually educating children. And it seems that many are holding off on making any concrete announcements to parents at this point. Do you have any final words of advice for those administrators? I guess what I would say is I feel for them. It's a very difficult situation right now. The U.S. is in a very precarious position with COVID-19 right now, and I think we really need to come together as a country to get the number of cases down through the use of physical distancing and masks. As primary examples, we also need better testing. There's a lot of things that need to happen to get us to where these decisions won't be so difficult when the time comes. And I understand why they're waiting right now, because there's so many unknowns out there. I think working collaboratively with your schools, your teachers, your local public health representatives, pediatricians in the area, I think everyone working together to design these plans, and also being ready to change. I mean, we have never done this before, and we have to recognize that and be ready when we see that we've implemented a policy that doesn't work, that we need to be able to change that policy pretty quickly. The other thing, I live in Colorado when I've been communicating with the folks in my area. One of the points I've been trying to make is, you know, as we're considering whatever policy it is that we do, think about how it's going to impact the most vulnerable of our students and our teachers. How is this going to look for the people who can handle this situation the least? And so that means the kids with special health care needs and kids living in poverty. That's a lens that I think it's really important to look through as we think about these policies. Dr. Sean O'Leary, Pediatric Infectious Disease Specialist at the University of Colorado and Schultz Medical Campus. Thank you very much for joining us today on InfoTrack. Very nice talking with you. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, fewer choices on store shelves may be permanent. That story, coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this. 